From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 513 for the week of October 25th, 2015. The Diz Unplugged Disneyland Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan the perfect Disneyland vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I am your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by my good friends Mary Jo Mulatta-Willie, Michael Bowling, and Tony Spatel. Coming up on Tuesday, we help our listeners Amanda and Dave plan their upcoming Disneyland and San Diego vacation. And Matt Wozni is back with a review of Trader Sam's Halloween Party. But right now, it's time for this week's news, Roundtable Rapid Fire. And Roundtable Rapid Fire on this edition. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be one of those days. On Mm -hmm. this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hey there. Hi there. Hello there. All right. How was everyone's week? Good. Good. It it passed. it's, It's done now. Yes. All right, anything in housekeeping? Nothing exciting in housekeeping? I have some housekeeping. Okay, you go first, Mary Jo. Mine is just, uh, you know how you always say Disneyland is more magical Mm -hmm. when it's shared? Uh, You you shared it, didn't you? I did. I was able Mm -hmm. to share it with a special group of friends that had actually met on one of the ABD tours, and we're always hearing how Pete and Kevin talk about uh, people bonding. And mm-hmm. I was able to join some of our Dizzers um, on Friday, which was so much fun. And, and first of all, um, the, the person who kind of brought us in was Rob Kletke, who actually right. is in the chat room tonight. But he, Nancy and I met him when we went up to Canada, which is another cool thing, how we just make friends around the world through Disney. And then some friends, um, the East Lakes were down and... And we had people from all over the world. Okay, so we had the East Lakes, we had the Lions. Um, so we had people from from up north. We had people from Canada. We had people from Florida, and we even had people from New Zealand join on this on this trip. So these were the whites that were from New New Zealand, and they had such a must, great must attitude. Must you bring in race, Mary Jo? <laughs> just, uh, I I think they're okay with it. <laughs> Haley and Stu. But I had so much fun with them. Their attitude was just, everything was good. They stayed at various hotels. Tropicana, Rob said it was pretty cool. Carousel didn't get very high marks. Um, oh. And the Candy Cane Inn got really good marks. So it was just, again, this is one of those things where we have opportunities to meet people. And when you take advantage to reach out and just speak up, you can really enrich your lives. So thanks, everybody, for letting me join you on Friday. We did do a little shop. It was so funny because I met them in the Esplanade, and I said, okay, guys, what do you want to do? And they said, shopping. So so we did some shopping and everything, and then we had dinner at Carthay Circle. Oh, which leads me to my other one. I, I'll keep this short. I reserved the, the right as a female to change my opinion. <laughs> okay. I saw World of Color again, and where the first time I saw it, I really wasn't impressed. I really enjoyed it. I, I I went in kind of trying to caution everybody, you know, don't get your hopes up too high. I'm not. I didn't tell them they weren't going to like it, 
But we sat in the Carthay Circle viewing area, which was at the back of everybody, which allowed me to see the whole show instead of being up close. And mm-hmm. where before I thought there was too much Neil Patrick Harris, etc., it it was it really wasn't. It was maybe my expectations um, were overstated, and so I was disappointed. So now I can understand why people are saying that they like this world of color. It's a really nice tribute to Walt Disney. Um, they did throw that Frozen in the middle of it, and so we just have to kind of get over it or, you know. But when I look at the people around me, they were enjoying the show. So um, there you go as far as that is that I, okay, I had cool. to say that. And then my last uh, housekeeping is mm-hmm. you guys are always running into people in the parks. I was on my way back on the tram to the to the Mickey and Friends parking lot, and I was looking at my iPhone to see what happened during the day. And then I hear this, excuse me, excuse me, where did you get that button? And they were looking at my disunplug button. And I said, oh, it's a podcast. And he goes, yeah, I listened to it. And I said, wait, you listen to the disunplug? He goes, yeah. He goes, they come out. And he was telling me, he goes, you rec- they record on Sundays uh, at 8 p.m. And he goes, and I said, well, I said, do you know who Mary Jo is? And he goes, yeah. I go, well, and he goes, you're Mary Jo. And so we had this great talk. And he goes, he started telling me all about Long Beach and, and everything. So, um, Here's a shout out to Alan and Cassie from Ukaipa. It was fun running into them, and of course I gave them my button. So nice. Yeah, it was it was really nice, and and uh, it was a great way to end a fun day at Disneyland with friends. And here we are making new friends. There you go. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Did anybody see the rumor that um, Brent Davies, who was basically the head cruise director for Disney Cruise Line, Brent? It, yeah, is moving over to California Adventure yeah. as what? he's the director of entertainment or director something. Of entertainment for yeah. California Adventure. Yeah, I saw that. We're getting Brent. Right, exactly. Right. How and, cool and, is that? And, and there's a director of entertainment for California Adventure. Yeah. I know. I was trying to think. Okay, what's all the entertainment? Well, and of course, geez. it's well, it's bringing Frozen. Can Frozen. we? Can we? I, I can we yeah. now start saying hey. Where are your good friends from the cruise lines? Keep, keep Aladdin. Right, exactly. <laughs> he was on the last podcast cruise, right? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, so. Yeah. 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 So, and he was he was on our very first cruise back in 05 when we went on Mexican Riviera. So, it, yeah, he's he's a great guy. And, and, West, West, uh, and I think I told the story on the podcast cruise that West ran into him and he let them into the oh, right. kids club before that was supposed to be open. And he got, he got in trouble or the, with the, with the, um, ocean, you know, the ocean air lab folks. So. Oh, too funny. Oh, Brent's yeah. wonderful. I'm so happy to hear yeah. this. Yeah. Although I'm going to miss him on the cruises, but we could see him more in DC. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. You yeah. can, you can, oh no, darn it. You can bring him over to Disneyland and ride. A boat ride, and then that'll... <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Have him do the Jungle Cruise yeah. or something. Oh, too funny. Uh, Michael, what's happening this week on Connecting with Walt? Connecting with Walt? Well, this is our final episode until oh. January. I know. We, we finally got our momentum going, huh? But, yeah, this is because we're an event podcast right now, so we um, run once a quarter. So we are... We've, we're every Friday in October, and then we'll resume again in January. So for this one, it's episode five. It is the, the torch is past. We're going to take a look at 
the beginnings of the site preparation for Disney World. It wasn't like Disneyland where, you know, they just pulled out the bulldozers and knocked down the trees and started digging holes. And in a year and a day, there was a castle and all these attractions. This was Swampland. Yeah, and there this was this was the largest civil engineering project ever done in the United States, and so we're going to get a little into that the, the beginning of it, and then uh, we all know in December of uh, you know nineteen sixty six Walt passed away. We are going to to touch on that, and then we're going to um, talk about you know. What happened to the project, the, the Florida project, in those you know weeks after Walt's passing? Just to let folks know, though, because I know some we've been getting comments on. Well, I'm surprised you didn't talk about this. I'm surprised you didn't talk about that. I'm connecting with Walt. That's because a lot of times I've already talked about it on this show, and I really see the history segments on this show as they accompany connecting with Walt. So you know, we got I got some messages that, well, I can't believe you didn't talk about the World's Fair and how that impacted the Florida Project. Well, we did a whole episode on it on this show, so I didn't feel the need to go over it again. That's sort of the same thing with uh, this week's episode of Connecting with Walt. We really talked a lot about Walt's final weeks and the impact that it had on people and on the world. So we're not going to get into that so much on the show. We're really going to look at the impact it had on the company. And so if folks want to get a more well-rounded vision of, of Walt's passing and how it impacted sort of humanity, um, listen to both um, Dixieland and Pixie Dust on 60 Years of Disneyland, as well as this week's Connecting with Walt. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. In the other housekeeping... Quiet, quiet oh, I um, oh, for um, Fantasia seventy five, they the uh, Cinemark tickets, Century Theaters, and all that. They did release um, their dates for okay, Fantasia, cool. so you can go online and purchase those. Very cool. And oh, I have shout outs since they're doing shout outs. I've seen all kinds <laughs> of listeners. Well, a couple of which I think are sitting in the um, chat room right now. Last week, Carol and I went up to Apple Hill. I've talked about that before. We saw Sally and Gordon there, who are listeners. And then at the Walt Disney Family Museum yesterday, I was there for an event. And I saw Robert, that I think you spent some time with him at, in your last trip to Disneyland, um, Tom. Yep. And, and I also cruised with him before. Yeah. And then, and then also um, Cynthia are both listeners. And Robert is now also volunteering at the museum. Nice. So, oh, nice. So, yeah. So hello to um, all those folks. Very cool. All right. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at dlpodcast at wdwinfo.com. And if you want links to any of our shows or anything we talk about, you can find that, of course, at www.disunplug.com. That's also where you'll find Connecting with Walt. Um, any other housekeeping? No? All right. Let's talk news <laughs> what Mike Michael has Sorry. the f- are you are you reading the chat, chat no, room no I'm listening okay. to you you, you oh, actually you. made me laugh uh, <laughs> I well, thought you were I funny sh- I, sh- I should have a podcast um, <laughs> so Michael has the first news story this is some another Hollywood legend that, that has passed away with a Disney connection 
Right. Um, this week, Maureen O'Hara passed away. She really was one of the last surviving stars of Hollywood's golden age. She passed away on Saturday at her home in Boise, Idaho. She was 95, and she was recently on the Academy Awards. And even though she was a bit frail, she was still really feisty mm -hmm. um, at 95. And, you know, there's all kinds of information on, you know, everywhere about, you know, about her. You know, she first started out... Uh, you know, in when she came to the United States, because she was from Ireland, but then during the war, um, she came out to the United States to act. And, you know, she, she was in films with Errol Flynn and, and all these swashbuckler films where she played pirates and, and all of this. And she played in Hunchback of Notre Dame. She was Esmeralda. And, uh, you know, she was in How Green Was My Valley. She was in all of these... Um, movies with Tyrone Power and all this stuff. And then and she she then took a role that was probably her most famous film, and that is 1947's Miracle on 34th Street. Mm -hmm. She was Natalie Wood's mother, who was sort of a little overcautious and didn't want her daughter to grow up with any misconceptions and all of that, and so she didn't believe in Santa Claus. And, of course... As the film, I, I don't want to do any spoil, you know, I don't want any spoilers, but but let's just say that Maureen O'Hara's character learns the error of her ways. And, <laughs> nice. Um, anyway, and, and if you've never seen the original film, rent it for this holiday season. It, it's one that we always watch. She then went on and starred in five films with uh, with direct with John Wayne, and and did a very good job. But what caught my interest when, of course, what caught my interest was there was this one little blurb I saw in an obituary where it says she had a big fight with Walt Disney. And I thought, what? what? <laughs> so I spent a good deal of time sort of digging around for this. And this, it was interesting. Now, keep in mind, all of this is from Maureen O'Hara, this whole story. So, so. Take that as you will. So um, any time I, when I finally started to find this story corroborated, it always seemed to go back to Maureen O'Hara. So anyway, Maureen O'Hara, after her John Wayne film, sort of saw a lull in her career. She was also a singer. She'd released a couple of CDs. She'd been in a movie musical. She was appearing on Broadway in a uh, show that was based on a work by Pearl Buck. It was called Christine. It did not do well, and it closed very quickly. And so she realized she sort of had to reinvent herself. Um, so her next role came from a very unlikely source, and that was Walt Disney. He had adapted a 1953 comedy um, called Twice Upon a Time. And it was basically a pair of twin girls meet up at summer camp and hatch an elaborate scheme <laughs> to get their strained parents back together. And, of course, we know this as The Parent Trap that came out, I think it was in 63. Um, David Swift, who wrote the screenplay, was directing. Um, Maureen O'Hara was very excited about this project from the very beginning. She said that she, her love for David Swift started the day that she had read his script. And the reason is, one of the reasons is that she liked working for Disney was because he... he she was reminded of the old days of working in the movies when a single vision prevailed. Um, 
which, of course, in the Disney Studios, there was a single provision, a vision that was Walt's. And by this time, Hollywood was changing, and now um, it, the film business was run by committee and all the other studios. Well, Walt wanted O'Hara for $25,000. Well, that was only a third of her normal asking price. And so she um, dug in her heels and she told Walt it's $75,000 or nothing. And Walt finally gave in. So this is really a tribute, you know, to both O'Hara's um, sort of steadfastness and, and respect she had earned in the industry. And, you know, it helped too that she was a household name. So, of course, um, you know, the, the film... You know, the film goes on, you know, um, you know, O'Hara's character sort of goes from frumpy, middle-aged height um, and, and sort of goes into another, a sort of a siren kind of thing. And um, so anyway, so the family values in this film is exactly what middle, middle America wanted. And so anyway, so... Um, what one of the things that David Swift sort of berated um, himself for was that um, he wanted to be more daring with with Maureen O'Hara's wardrobe because she she was a very curvy woman, and so the closest he got to it was when she appeared in uh, a um, bathrobe, you know, in the film, and mm-hmm. that's sort of when when when. Um, David Keith is is finally starting to realize that he's falling in love with her again. So, um, but anyway, the storyline for you know for for its time was very original. Um, anyway, in order to make sure that, or it's Brian Keith, I should say, to make sure that Brian Keith would fall in love again, that the audience would believe he was falling in love again with the Marina Hara character, he had to make the the new wife to be thoroughly unlikable so that's that was joanna barnes's um uh, you know uh role in doing that well the problem is is that the well the film cost only two dollars two million dollars to make and it made about five times that at the box office well the thing is is that when um marina o'hara loved this film um she it went well it was great um she was on a high after making the movie. Um, so anyway, she, she told Roddy McDowell, who she appeared with in How Green Was My Valley, you know, I thought it, I was wonderful in it. In fact, one critic said it was the first time somebody had come along who could do the same kind of f- sophisticated comedy as Irene Dunn. I consider that a great compliment. Well, the movie is released, and... And um, Maureen O'Hara is shocked to discover that Mill's name preceded hers in the credits. And um, she was outraged with Walt Disney because her contract clearly stipulated that she was to receive top billing. So so she um, approached MCA with her gripe and Walt was contacted, but he absolutely refused to budge. So the Screen Actors Guild got involved and was prepared to back her claim against the studio. And so the day before she was due to file the court paper, she supposedly got a message from Disney that says, according to Maureen O'Hara, sue me and I'll destroy you. 
Now, her first instinct was to contest it, but her advisors told her that even though she might win the case, she would probably never work again. So, um, but she, you know, Marina Harrow had always been very particular about her billing. Um, She was usually billed, you know, before the male lead in all her films, which was something that, that was a courtesy that was never given to to other actresses. Um, it was only time that a, a male actor preceded her name was John Wayne's. And um, so anyway, so the interesting thing is the story has an interesting ending. Anyway, her career soared. She um, continued to be in other films. She was in um, Spencer's Mountain right after this, which is another big hit. That was the predecessor to the Waltons on television. Um, so all, all the hullabaloo after Parent Trap died down. Now, her brother Charles says, and, and, and Marino Harris says that they approached Walt Disney with an idea for a film based on Mary Poppins. And it was Marino Harris' daughter's favorite book. And, and Disney's reaction to her proposal was a blunt rubbish. But I'm thinking, okay, you know, Parent Trap came out in 63. I mean, Mary Poppins was already, you know, that was 64. It was already underway and filmed. So that's why I think we've got to take some of this story with a grain of salt. But um, but anyway, but O'Hara felt that, that she had committed um, career suicide with Walt. But a few years later, when Walt lay seriously ill in the hospital, um O'Hara's agent, Helen Morgan, stopped by to visit him because her brother was the doctor, was Walt's doctor. And when she introduced herself to O'Hara's agent, supposedly Walt Disney hissed that bitch. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and um, when, um, so, so her agent went back to Maureen O'Hara and, and, and asked, what is going on here? And, and, she and, and Marina Harris said, I don't mind what Walt Disney said. He didn't like me because I wouldn't let him get out of a contract. Not many people had the guts to stand up to him. At least he didn't say uh, that wimp. Um, <laughs> notwithstanding, uh, she says, notwithstanding her, her row with Disney, the, the Parent Trap remains one of her favorites. And, um, she, and she went on to appear with Brian Keith in a in his next film, The Deadly Companions. And like I said, she, um, she, her, her career continued on and Parent Trap really did give her career a, a, a boost when she needed it. So take that for what you will. I do think there's some reason to question this, especially with that timing of, of the, you know, them bringing the script of Mary Poppins to him. So anyway. So rest in peace, Maureen O'Hara, a great, great actress. Try, try to rent some of her films. All right. Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. All right. Next new story. Let's go over to Tony. Just when we thought that it wasn't going to happen. It's still supposedly not happening. But It's still supposedly not yes. happening. Yes. So two fast past barcode readers temporarily stationed at the entrance of Space Mountain <laughs> are, I'm going to put in my own word, supposedly, my own word, not a precursor to the much-discussed magic bands a Disney official has recently said. The Disney- devil's instrument. Exactly. <laughs> magic I know. Um, we're going to have a vigil outside with candles, hoping to make sure that it doesn't happen. Disneyland spokeswoman Bessie Sanchez said the barcode readers are being tested for the next few days 
to measure their efficiency only at Space Mountain. We routinely test things at the park, she said. Well, not exact quote, but I'm making it more narrative. Give so me a break. Gonna, yeah. The readers appeared and looked similar to those at Walt Disney World. That similarity led many Disney fans and blog sites and the most well-listened-to greatest podcast ever to speculate, I added that, that this could be a test <laughs> run for Magic Bands. The My Magic Plus and Magic Band technology is currently only available at Walt Disney World. We all know all that. And the Magic Bands on the Disney Cruise Line, blah, blah, blah. We know what that is. We don't need to explain what My Magic Plus is. At Disneyland, visitors with Fast Passes were being asked to scan them before entering the attraction. Usually a cast member stops to look at visitors' Fast Pass tickets and timestamps before letting them proceed. If this is indeed a test for My Magic Plus, it wouldn't come as a total surprise. Tom Staggs, the Walt Disney Company's chief operating officer, told the Orlando Sentinel last year that the technology would be coming to Disneyland and other Disney-themed parks. Staggs, though, did not set a timetable and added that it would not replicate the version at Walt Disney World. And just in case you wondered, it was fully implemented in 2014 at Walt Disney World, estimating the development at around $800 million to $1 billion, according to the New York Times. Discuss. What... I don't, I don't see the connection between using fast passes that have barcodes. Why they would be testing that if they are considering using Magic Bands? Because it, it's like totally different. I mean, couldn't it just be to get rid of the people at the? No, because they still need people to double check. Yeah, yeah but they'd... then you won't need a cast member at the beginning of the line and at the end. But really, they're going to spend that kind of money just so, to remove a person at the. Head of the line. Hmm. And and who's going to stop people from continuing? Do you get zapped or something? <laughs> now that's the kind of plussing to attractions I've been wanting. <laughs> <laughs> now I saw a another Twitter post or something the next day where they, they were using fast passes that had RFID embedded in them. But... I, I did. I didn't see any updates to the news stories rela- relating to that. Which I mean, that that really makes not no sense at all because those RFIDs are kind of pricey, right? I mean, well, let me let me ask be, you to this: be, What do you think about the say somebody's park hopper or annual pass? You put it into the fast pass machine and it reads it and and assigns the time, and then the check machine, I guess, what is it, RFID machine, mm-hmm. whatever, checks the time on your park hopper. So you, instead of getting additional papers, right. you're using the one ticket for everything. Yeah. Well, and that would be, that would be a replacement for Magic Bands because you'd be using your ticket media. But for them to be having, bar, using the barcodes on the on the actual FastPass ticket as, as a way to, uh, to gain entry is so far removed from magic bands that it just it just seems weird. Why why would they test that and not just test like you're saying using RFID on your on your on your annual pass or actual magic bands? Okay, so think outside the box. Well, how else could they be using it? I don't have an answer. I'm just asking you. Right. Um Unless there is a a, a um, underground group that's been 
replicating fake fast passes and they need to make sure that all the fast passes are real. I... That's really outside the law. Well, remember that. Hey, you're that, welcome. Remember that was happening though, and that's why they changed the fast pass paper or something. That it was perforated, or or it, there was something because people were giving in fake fast passes. This was a few years ago. That's crazy. Right. Well, they can't sell fake tickets anymore, so they're gonna. Yeah. I don't know. I think this just means evil is coming. So what do you <laughs> what do you think it's going to look like for us? Whatever it is. I don't know because I, I just don't see them fully implementing FastPass Plus for us because yeah. it's just a locals park. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, nobody's going to be planning 6 months in advance. I mean, you know, Park hours aren't even announced until six weeks in advance. How are you gonna? Well, that's, that's you know that's such a good point. They they don't read. That's one of um, the complaints I read a lot on the disboards mm-hmm. is that the schedule doesn't come out until six weeks before the date. Right. And so we always the locals and or the people who are experts typically tell people relax. It's not like Walt Disney World. You, yeah, you don't yeah. need to plan so far in advance. So. I don't understand what kind of benefit this new check thing is. And well, Rob it, is saying that they need to get Wi-Fi in the parks before they do any of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it could just be it saves uh, the cast member from having to read every single fast pass to make sure it's the correct time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the machine does that. They just see it's green and... You know, it can go. Just so. be, yeah, I mean, and it just could be a time saver, and and it could be just that they're testing out new technology, and and seeing if it'll fly, seeing if it'll save, it'll if it'll save time. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, Amanda, I could see them making it so that the fast passes get printed on out, you know, get encoded on our um, our passes. You know, when you slide it in to the little machine, it just encodes it. Right, because they're so you know they're sort of doing that now. Like when Carol, when she's since she's on an ECV, you know how you have to go in and check in near the attraction, and they scan it, scan everybody's passes, and give you the time to return, and then uh-huh. they scan them again when you return. I could see a more streamlined version of that happening. Right. The only thing is, every uh, we'd have to remember what time the fast pass return is. Yeah, and you know they're going to come up with some clever little thing to do that maybe you can do it on your um app the disneyland yeah. app or something you know so anyway stay tuned yeah keep an eye out for those okay. weird fast passes well you cheered me up tony thank you yeah thank yeah thanks for that tony <laughs> I just did what the producer told me to do. Yeah, thanks. And then he throws me <laughs> under the bus. Yes. When I take over, only happy news, Tom. Well, speaking of bus, uh, <laughs> recently the Anaheim Resort Transportation System announced that you like that was good. Thank you, Tony. That was a very nice. That has provided transportation services to more than nine million passengers in fiscal year 2014-2015. 
Uh, established in 1995, ART provides clean fuel public transportation services to Orange County visitors, residents, and commuters in and around the Anaheim Resort area. Uh, ART Chairman Paul Sanford says, This past year has been an exciting time for our as we've celebrated the opening of Southern California's newest transportation facility, Arctic, and we've also initiated fixed route systems between the Anaheim Resort area and several new areas, including the South Coast Plaza. Um, also this year, the Art launched a new mobile ticketing app and a text-to-go feature that offers real-time bus information. So 9 million people this fiscal year rode the Art. Is that a lot, or is that... I don't know. Is Seems like they're bragging about it, so it must be up from last year. Okay. Nine million people. Yeah, nine That's million a lot people. Of people. That, that seems a lot like people. a lot. I almost don't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> that just seems outrageous. Like, how many people visited the park? Um, right. And they have uh, 73 vehicles, so 73, 73 buses. That's, that does seem like a Mathematically, lot. it's... Man, yeah, I'm, no, right? I'm having some concerns. What's nine What's nine million divided by 365, Mr. Let's find common out. Core? Nine million... Yes, wait, do it by common core, so we, <laughs> we have 30 minutes. Okay, just so you guys know, all that means is that I'm going to explain to you how I figured it out. That's it. So nine million... Wait, did I do that right? Divided by what? 365? How this many? is ex- many? exciting radio. 24,000 No way. I just... A day? They're wrong. They're lying. We need to get a class action. There's just no way. <laughs> yeah, that that's, does seem like a lot. Maybe at the end of... Maybe total they've they've had 9 million passengers since their lifetime. Yeah, right? I... There's just... I know. It's, it's their wrong. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right. That is the news. Time for rapid fire. Let's start with Mary Jo. Well, here's something that I just found out that's a first for me. I mean, a first for Disneyland is they're talking about the week of Thanksgiving, adding Mm -hmm. a second nightly fireworks show. Um, And if it works out, they might be using this in the future also. So the Disneyland Forever Fireworks show is going to run at 6.30 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. from November 21st through the 28th. So those of you who can't stay late for the fireworks, this is a nice opportunity to see that. Um, they're also going to be talking about, I'm sorry, they're also adding a second earlier run of the two parades that same week, a Christmas fantasy and paint the night light parade. There'll also be two showings of Fantasmic on Rivers of America. We're kind of used to that. Yeah. But the fact that they're going to be having an early uh, evening parade and light uh fireworks show and then again in later on in the night that they've never done that before no that fireworks is amazing because they're so expensive because then they have to reload yeah program but you know look at how many people leave the park after the fireworks so i think that it's just that the park has just gotten so crowded they're hoping people go to the early parade early fireworks and leave and you know, with the young children, and then yeah. the park will get a little more manageable, and then the folks who stayed can then see the later fireworks. I agree, and and you know as well as I do, there's so so many people that stake out spots so early. I think this is going to mitigate that and allow more people yeah. uh, to see them around the park. 
So. Well, don't we feel better now about raising those annual yes. pass prices? Because <laughs> it was to support the extra fireworks show and the extra parade. Um, <laughs> in, it was something related, Mary Jo, we had talked about that they're going to be showing uh, world, both versions of World of Color. Um, the early show each night will be World of Color Winter Dreams, and the second show will be World of Color Celebrate. That's pretty wow. cool. That's a so, nice opportunity. So yeah. for the people who are coming to see that this this is the one time they're going to be out here during the 60th celebration. Right. And then for those who've already seen it and want to see the Winter Dreams, because you can never have enough Frozen from what I hear. Right. Yes, <laughs> You'd think so. From the... And so they must have then two sets of Fast Pass machines. I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. We haven't, we haven't gotten there yet, but... So, like, on, on a, a late night, it would be 9 o'clock Winter Dreams and 10.15 Celebrate, so... Hmm. I, I think this is such a smart move for them to make, because mm-hmm. we all know how crowded it gets, and for the for future options, opportunities. That's, that's a lot of entertainment. Two, two, two Christmas Fantasies, two Paint the Nights, two Disneyland Forevers, two Phantasmics, two World of Colors... And so, and that's why they need a director over at DCA all the time. Yeah, maybe. Maybe this is Brent's idea. That's all I'm saying. But um, they're only going to have this at peak time. So they're only going to have it the week of the Thanksgiving week. Then it's going to go back to the regular schedule. I imagine that they'll have this during the holiday, the last two weeks of the year. Mm -hmm. You know, when most of us are going to be locked out out from now on. But. so I, I think it's ingenious because it gets it's going to start getting dark like at five, so the timing's going to work really well. Very cool. Too bad they can't do this in the summer. <laughs> well, right? you know, Michael, maybe this is a precursor to well, how they're going to. Sound- exactly. They can't. It gets dark so late, and they oh, have they right. have they have agreements with. Yeah. Okay. All um, right. Thank you, Mary Jo. Uh, Michael, go ahead. Well, you know, when we were at the D23 Expo, there was, did you all see that set of monorail, uh, I'm sorry, people mover cars? Oh, yeah. Well, Tom, they can be yours. I know. Somebody posted <laughs> it on my Facebook page. Yeah. Actually, um, I'm thinking they could be yours, Michael. No, just what I need. <laughs> anyway, but because that big um, collecting Disneyland, that big exhibit and exhibition and, and auction that the Van Eaton Galleries had um, earlier in the year, well, you know, that was so popular, they're doing it again. Woo. So the uh, we will have a link to their site in our show notes. They It is an exclusive sale of Disneyland memorabilia from some of the finest collections around the world. The opening reception is coming up. It's this week, Thursday, October 29th. The, so uh, on the website, you can, um, you know, you, you can find more about that. Uh, the auction date is Saturday, November 21st. Um, the exhibits will be on display October 29th through November 20th. And the interesting thing is when you go on the site, they now have some short videos um, showing some of the collectors who have donated their collections. And they tell you a little about their backstory, how they got started. It's really interesting because two of them were cast members from the early days. And then there's one that talks that's all about the people mover cars. But apparently the first auction was so successful, collectors contacted Van Eaton about having their um, collections um, auctioned off. 
So the, anyway, so it was the story of Disneyland was the earlier auction. So some so just so in case you're wondering, gee, you know, maybe this is something I can give as a, a Christmas gift. <laughs> um, the, the people mover car they anticipate going for two hundred thousand um, dollars. There's a rocket to the moon poster, uh, an original that they expect to go for fifteen thousand. I hope it's signed by Walt Disney for that amount. And the Dumbo concept art by the original Imagineer Bruce Bushman. They expect to go for five to seven thousand dollars. Although remember last time, a lot of stuff came in below what they right. anticipated. So, um, but there's a few, but, and they also then will have items that will come in significantly less than that, little things. You can purchase the um, catalog, which was fascinating. The other one, it was like a little history book, an illustrated history book of Disneyland, um, the first one. So, and that's, there's a $30 one. If you get the hardcover um, $95 one, you also get the $30 softcover one with it. So I'm going to, I'm definitely going to order the catalog. And then, as I did last time, I'm going to pick out for each of you something that I, I would recommend you bid on. Something from each land. So, and then, then you'll go at it. So anyway, so we will have a link to the Van Eaton Galleries in our show notes. Awesome. So, and dream on. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, yeah, that's, that's about all I'm going to be able to do. <laughs> all right, thank you, Michael. I will go next. Um, Knutsbury Farm continues its tradition of honoring the brave men and women who have served in the U.S. military, both past and present, with free admission during its 26th, 26th annual military tribute. Um... The free admission offer applies to all U.S. veterans, retired and active military personnel, and their spouse, or up to one guest. Um, up to six additional tickets may be purchased. Uh, let me give you the dates of this. This is November 1st through December 20th. Um, up to six additional tickets may be purchased. From November 1st through the 20th, additional tickets are $25. From November 21st through December 20th, Additional tickets are $30. Uh, military personnel may also purchase additional tickets at their local military ticket office. Uh, U.S. veterans, retired, and active military personnel must present military ID or proof of U.S. military service at Knott's Ticket Boost to receive the complimentary tribute tickets. Um, and, of course, veteran, retired, and active military personnel must be present. Uh, U.S. veterans retired and active military can also take advantage of an $89 a night rate at the Knott's Hotel, including free parking. Uh, rate is based upon a standard room and subject to availability for reservations. Call 866-752-2444 or visit knottshotel.com or your local military base. Um, and of course, this is a precursor. This is okay. So this is the military version, which is November first through December twentieth. Um, very soon, I'm sure they will be announcing the version that applies to law enforcement, um, so um, police, fire, sheriffs, things like that. And that usually runs um, probably the twenty first, November twenty first through December twentieth, or it usually it maybe it's probably the twenty eighth through December twentieth. Um, usually runs right after um, Thanksgiving, but it's a sim similar offer where they also get a, fr a free admission for themselves and a and a guest, and then you may purchase you can purchase additional tickets 
at a discount. So, um, Knott's is the only theme park that has continuously offered free admissions to veterans and active military personnel in honor of veterans, the Veterans Day holiday. So, very cool. If you are a veteran or in the U.S. military, you get free admission to Knott's. Um, uh, Tony. Okay. The spookiest time of the year is here. So Woo! why not have some fun by spending more money? <laughs> yes. That's what it says. That's spooky. That scares me. Yeah. So run Disney has now the, we have the Avengers superheroes half marathon weekend right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And now of course, when people love run Disney, so they can just do it when they're running out on the street. Like I used to do many, many moons ago moons because it's Halloween. You notice how I brought it all together. Um, you have some new run gear. I have to be honest. That's an orange shirt. I don't see what's spook. It just looks like an orange shirt to me for the ladies. Black leggings, which I think you can get. I'm sure Target. that yeah, but they have them. Uh, shoes, orangeish shoes with some purple. But I think that ju- from getting keeps you from getting hit by yeah, cars. Yeah, the only thing I really see that's um, I know I should be much more positive. These are this is done. It's done by Champion. I see a black shirt for the the guys. Looks like a black shirt. I do see gray uh, running shorts with an orange side. That does look a little Halloweenish. Uh, there is a uh, Jack Skellington visor and the little, little lighting up piece. But you can find these frightening looks on ChampionUSA.com, NewBalance.com, and DisneyStore.com. And now that I've actually looked a little more closely at the pictures, I apologize for doing this as a rapid fire because I don't really <laughs> see much Disney to them. To be honest, the orange and black stuff just looks like it happens to be black and orange. The Jack Skellington, I was hoping for like Mickey with a, a spooky look, but it looks just pretty much like orange and, and brown. But I was hoping you were going to say New Balance was doing like Nightmare Before Christmas shoes or something. Yeah, that's what I Well, I was kind of hoping so too when I looked up, but now when I see what they put on the do blog, you, I'm going to... Do you need a do-over? <laughs> Yeah, I know. This is no. I'm. It's okay. We're like. I'm. This is live. No, I don't need to do. I do need to do over because I feel like there's a bad taste in my mouth. I feel like I was pimping out Disney merchandise that wasn't <laughs> Disney merchandise. They posted it on the blog. I'm so disappointed in them. Show your Halloween Disney style. I don't know what's Disney style about this thing. Maybe if you hmm. put the article that said "Run Disney" at the bottom as you're running. But there's, I don't see any Run Disney on it. The only nice thing I see is the Jack Skellington. That's kind of makes me. It is, of course, as I'm frustrated about all the ways they're they're, they're trying to make money. This kind of makes me think that. Well, and and the Avengers Half Marathon is after Halloween, so yeah. Uh, let's. I'm gonna, gonna rip do, off. I know. Let's <laughs> see. I'm gonna try. See, maybe there's better stuff, and they just. Did the worst possible blog post ever, but um, I'm looking at Run. Di- I typed in Run Disney at the Disney store that they gave me, and I'm not finding much. So yeah, I was just, I was I was like, oh, where's the cool Jack Skellington shirt? So I guess if you like orange and black, you can order it. Or somebody really needed a blog post, <laughs> like somebody was missing their quota. <laughs> Aubrey Hang, sports marketing community manager of Run Disney. We are disappointed in you. I, well, yeah, really. There's no. Uh, you guys need to look at it. 
everybody who's listening needs to look and go, wow, it's it's orange and black merchandise on a Disney background, making it look Disney. Oh, get in, wait, maybe this helps. Get into the Hollywood spirit by adding some spookiness into your training attire. Jack the Pumpkin King adds some frightening flair to your normal training run outfit. Oh, there you go. But there's only a <laughs> visor and the little thing that lights up, which I think you can get into the park at any time of the year. You're ruining it. I know. I feel like there's a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> you I, just <laughs> wrung the magic out of I, that uh, one. I, have to, I think I might need to go to confession for this one. <laughs> I, I, I've felt that trend before and other things. Oh, me ruining the Disney magic? Yes. yes. So, okay, you guys forget this is the unplugged. Somebody has to ruin the Disney magic. <laughs> you keep it too real, Tony. That's uh, the thing. Yeah. Well, I, I am from Long Beach now, so I do keep it real like Snoop Dogg. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. You saw him in the airport once. Really? Yeah, and he wasn't didn't have dogs sniffing all around no. him. Uh, no, uh-uh. yeah. Did, oh, you, did you catch? Hey, did you catch that concert at Garden Walk? No, he caught a fire. But speaking of, I have to say, I've been in now all three legalized states, and I just <laughs> I will say, I think Oregon, if it's not legal, it looks like it. I'm just gonna say, people move a little slower up in Oregon. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm sorry for our Oregon listeners. But the workers, and I drove by a, star, a shop that said cannabis on it, so that was exciting. I'm sure you're going to edit this out. But if not, <laughs> yeah, there was a nice... It's a live show, Tony. Oh, you're right. So I'm not editing this. Sweet. Yeah, I'm just talking about what I've seen in Washington State and there Oregon. I've never partaken, but now they're just right next to the coffee place. There it is. <laughs> you can go back and forth between the two. And it's the Taco Bell down the block. Yeah, I know. Well, the thing is, there's coffee. So there's so much coffee... Right next to it, then nobody, it's like, keeps balancing out, sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. All right. I think we will end it there. <laughs> All right. Thank you, folks. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I forgot to add that we, uh, that we're broadcasting, we've been talking about broadcasting live. We didn't say hi to our friends at Mixler.com. Uh, thank you, folks, for listening live and chatting with us week in and week out. Uh, if you want to, listen live um go to our show notes page or to our facebook page and find the link for our mixler account and you can listen live every sunday night at 8 p.m all right pacific pacific yes sorry disneyland time disneyland time i like that better disneyland time all right thank you folks that is going to do for this segment of the dis unplugged be sure to catch all of our other disneyland shows this week And, of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening. Bye.